Hello guys and welcome, welcome to, to Happy, Happy Single, Single Mums. Are you really just going to copy everything I'm saying? Yes! <laughs> Hello guys and welcome to Happy Single Mums, a podcast surrounding real single mummy life. Every episode will deliver the best hard-hitting topics surrounding mummy life. So, here's your host, me, Khalifa. guys and welcome to the happy single mums podcast i'm your host khalifa today we're going to be talking about mental health given that we have just survived a whole global pandemic i feel like mental health is such a pinnacle subject that we need to touch upon mental health includes our emotional psychological and social well-being it affects how we think feel and act it also helps determine how we handle stress relate to others and make healthy choices mental health is important at every stage of life from childhood and adolescence through adulthood so we're going to be touching upon how mental health actually affects our relationships and there are five main warning signs of mental illness as follows excessive paranoia if your partner is extremely paranoid worried and showing signs of anxiety long lasting sadness or irritability extreme change in moods and social withdrawal dramatic changing in eating and sleeping patterns. Given that there's so many spheres when it comes to mental illness, I felt like it would be good to speak to a single mum who has experienced it and who can also give us an insight on how she managed to overcome. So hi Charlotte, thank you so much for taking the time out to come on the Happy Single Moms podcast. Please tell the audience a bit about yourself. So um, I am a teacher. Uh, and I started teaching in about 2002 and I met my then husband whilst teaching and had three children with him and then over the period of about seven years um, it became apparent that um, his mental health began to unravel and I think throughout that time um, I began to realize something wasn't quite right and when my youngest was about six months old um, his my my husband that my then husband basically just became so ill that um, our relationship fell apart and um, yeah, that's that's basically how I became a, a single parent. Um, and that's obviously breezing over quite a tricky period of time, uh, quite easy, you know, quickly. And that's really hard, I think, if the separation is surrounding mental health issues, because counselling and whatnot does, you know, if, if the other person suffering with mental health can't engage or doesn't want to engage with help then it's quite hard to weather that storm I think. So how did how did you identify that it was mental health then were there any like telltale signs? Yeah so it it all started with a few incidences and um, his family would say oh he's just eccentric you know don't worry it's and it's you know he's artistic and it's eccentric and 
what happened over time was that these instances would become more and more frequent and back onto each other. So it became something that's sort of a behavior or behaviors that gain traction. So things like um, disappearing for a couple of days at a time, um, spending a lot of money on high ticket item without you know, talking about it, giving up his employment without talking about it, you know, quite big um, decisions that you would think would involve everyone in the family or at least, you know, your partner. Yeah. <laughs> he was making on his own and it would worry me. So I would sort of speak to his family. And to begin with, they were a bit like, don't worry, you know, that's just him. And I was like, well, is it? But I think when you're in a relationship, it's very hard, isn't it, to sort yeah. of, look at it objectively so I suppose uncharacteristic um, decisions and, and occurrences became more and more and more untenable and there was one situation where he sort of left the family home so he was coming and going but leaving for longer periods of time and he came back and he said you know I want to see the children and I said okay and my parents were living with me as well to sort of help me through this sort of period of separation and, and, and instability, I guess, instability. And he drove my eldest child to a garden centre and, and we were going to go there and it seemed like a safe place for him to sort of see the children. And he shot across a very busy junction with like multiple traffic lights. And because he was so sort of ill, he couldn't sort of see or he didn't really take note that they were there. And I think you know, that was it. That was a switch for me as a parent to go, I, I can't risk it now. Um, you know, I was, it, it, I realised actually it's one thing me deciding to be a part of this, but if physically he puts my children in harm's way, then that was a big sort of switch for me to go, no, actually before, if he doesn't engage with mental health experts, then he can't see the children on his own. Um, so that was a that was a big thing, and that was it was a messy period of about a year, toing and froing, and and um, that was very very difficult. Um, and then a really big uh, occurrence was when he reported me to the police for um, potentially abuse. Well, he believed I was abusing our children. So, you know, as a nursery owner. I obviously go through very high levels of checks. Yeah, you have like an advanced CRB check. Yeah. Yeah, and and you have what's called a suitable persons interview, and and you, you go through a lot of levels, rightly so. But obviously, the police have to take you know every accusation um, seriously, and so that then kickstarted a lot of work with external agencies, which I feel very lucky to have engaged with, because it then became apparent or my then husband's mental health illness and became apparent to them so um what I used to say was that he was mentally ill he wasn't he wasn't stupid you know a lot of the time he could present as healthy normal uh, but there were times when it his thinking would just crumble and and luckily or unluckily for him he started to crumble in front of family courts in front of cam service and yeah, that was when everyone went, actually, this isn't an acrimonious separation. It's not as straightforward as that. It's very nuanced and it's basically it's around someone who's very mentally ill. So 
yeah, it was, a, it was a very difficult time. So Charlotte, how did you get through that time? How did I get through that time? Yeah. Yeah. And I look back on it and go, I don't know, because it was hideous. But I'm very lucky. My my parents and my family, so I've got a brother and sister. Um, my parents came to live with me and my mum's a sort of... Um, typical farmer's wife so my dad's a farmer and so he doesn't speak a lot about feelings and stuff but his presence was there and he would drive my children to school and he'd be the consistent sort of father figure that they needed yeah. um, and my mum was forever cooking spaghetti bolognese and macaroni cheese and there was food on the table so I think that took a lot of the daily grind away yeah. for me and I felt very carried by them mm. um you know my brother is also a farmer and he was like right what can we do but you know just in a and I just felt very supported by that I think I was really surprised as well but I thought I think my friends who were in relationships I I thought they would circle around me perhaps a bit more than they did but I think I don't know, divorce is a funny thing or separation is a funny thing. It's a bit and of a I death, think don't people... you think? It's, it's, like, it's like a death and sometimes when people die, people don't know how to, to, to deal with it. You know, some people sit there yes. in silence, other people, you know, make food, you know, so people handle mm. things differently. So I think sometimes friends, they don't know how to handle, you know, single motherhood or breakup, divorce. So mm. it, it kind of shows you who your friends are as well. Definitely. And... Funnily enough, one of my very good friends, she would be the one that I would phone at three o'clock in the morning going, oh, you know, can't, I can't do another day of, you know, mm. of going through that really initial testing time. Yeah. And she was like, come on, you know, drink a boatload of coffee in the morning. You've got this and sort of pep talk me through it. And four years down the line, she's gone through the same. So I think... Yeah, so I think through different circumstances, but but, but a divorce, and and I think the empathy you have for someone who has gone through the same thing, you can't beat it. So, like you said, some of my friends, they didn't know whether to mention it, they didn't know whether to make a joke of it or to celebrate. You know, like it was they didn't um, because they'd never been through it, so it was hard for them to know. Like you said, but. My friend who's now gone through it, she's like, oh, my, you know, this, that. And we have an empathy with each other that you can't beat, really, unless you've been through it, like you said, a grieving process or something. Mm. So that was very helpful. She was really great. So I'd say surround yourself with people who you can really be yourself with, like messy, snot dribbling tears down the phone, yeah. saying your most worried innermost thoughts is so important um and it probably took me two and a half years three years to feel back to my normal self um but that wasn't to say that whole three years was awful I mean I would say one you know one year six months was really like I was in it's a bit like new motherhood you know when you're in a bit of a foggy place yeah. So did you speak to your children about um, their father's mental health and the fact that you, you were no longer going to be together? Um, I did. But I was very conscious to do it 
in an age appropriate way. So I didn't speak to them like they were a fellow adult. Yeah. I spoke to them. So my youngest was six months. Um, my middle was three and a half. And then my eldest, who was probably more obviously aware, was seven, eight. No, he would have been six, six, six nearly seven. Sure. So he was the one that was really conscious of that, that moving away and the separation. And yeah, I used to speak with him. We used to have like a special time. So the other two used to be put to bed. We used to have all big, so big, having a big connection at the end of the day. I mean, it wasn't always like the Waltons, but I would try and get us all into bed, reading stories, and that would make me feel better. And, and hopefully I was hoping that would make them feel safe and connected. And then he would come downstairs and we'd have a couple of rounds of toast. And I'd sort of do, a, how you doing? And he'd go, fine, mummy. And sometimes I'd cry, sometimes he'd cry. And we, we still check in actually going, how is everyone, have you got any questions? You know, around, I think as well, other things spark it off, don't they? Like um, classmates going through a divorce or, you know, oh, do you know what, mummy? Um, So-and-so's parents have also split up or Father's Day is a has been a date that is celebrated at school, which can be a bit, you know, tricky for my boys. I, I think it's really important to speak about it and for them, so does he no longer yeah. have visitation or do you have it through a contact center or no so he so he had he did have visitation rights and the courts ruled that um his family had to be present okay um but they live quite a long way away and they're quite older and they were struggling with maintaining um maintaining sort of supervised access and um I wasn't prepared to allow it to happen and neither was the court they didn't think it was safe for him to have access on his own and so because he didn't want to go through a prolonged mental health assessment then the court said if you don't do that then you don't get any parental rights so my children still see his family and um you know they're they're well you know they're they're a part of their lives not a massive part because they live quite a long way away but um they are a part of the lives it's nothing we don't talk about um uh yeah but it is a very strange situation and uh you know he's living off grid um you know he's very concerned and wrapped up with conspiracy theories and things like that so at the moment i don't feel he offers a positive influence in their life in any way shape or form and he certainly has deemed not to be safe. So, you know, and I speak to the boys about that. And then I, what was really heartbreaking is when they said, will we grow up and be ill? Oh. Will we grow up and have mental health illness? And, and I think that's what's awful. If it was a leg, a broken leg or something, you'd be like, that's okay, we'll fix it, we'll fix it. And I, I just sort of said, well, no one knows. <laughs> no one knows what tomorrow's going to bring, but if if you get ill just like if you got ill physically we would all just circle around you and make you better and I think uh, you know obviously I wanted to say no nothing's ever going to be wrong ever it's all going to be fine but I just sort of said you know life can be difficult and you've had a difficult curveball thrown at you boys when you're little Mm. but I said some people go through life and they don't have curveballs some people get 
over their fair share of curveballs and that's not fair. But I said, what's important is that you've weathered it and we're coming out the other end. Yeah. And, you know, I'm very lucky. My boys have got a lot of male role models that are really positive. And I've, I've met someone else who might be earwigging in the next room, but he's very positive and... <laughs> That's brilliant. Congrats. Ah, oh, thank you. So I wanted to ask you, Charlotte. So in regards to when, with everything that you experienced and you were like a single mum for five years afterwards, going from someone that's married to then being a single mum, how did it not affect your mental health then? I think it did, but I don't think I realised it did. I, I think I was, um, I think I was in a bit of a, a fuck, like, I don't think I had a lot of clarity of mine because it was because my children were so young it was yeah. you know you're on that sort of treadmill um how did it affect my mental health I I think I felt like a real failure because I got married to stay married and I wasn't prepared for it to make me feel so bad about myself yeah. so I think my self-esteem my self-worth probably went um and I I think I combated that by compartmentalizing a lot of those feelings and sort of like blocking them away and making myself really busy. So I had a business, um, I taught, and obviously I had the three boys as well. So I was so forward focused um, that I think, um, yeah, that I, that, that's how I think I coped with it. But I do think I didn't really address a lot of things in order to get through that difficult time. And funny enough, when I sort of thought, right, I'm gonna bite the bullet and speak to you. Last night, I didn't sleep a lot because I was dredging it all up. No, sorry. <laughs> well, I don't want you to feel bad. I think it's really healthy. Yeah. And um, I was speaking to my partner and I was like, I didn't sleep because of this. And I was thinking about that. So I think, I'm not saying it's in any way healthy, but I shelved a lot of it. Yeah. And particularly this this over covid when we've all had a bit more time to think yeah i've sort of realized maybe i should sort of air that and, and yeah. would give you it consider a, therapy i did consider therapy and i think definitely it's the way forward but at the time i felt so exhausted yeah i couldn't i couldn't see how i would attend a therapy session once a week it seemed like another thing and I, I think probably I wish I had at the time. Um, as I said, my, a very good friend of mine, I used to sort of offload onto her and that was a form of therapy, I guess. But um, I've never had professional therapy. And so where do you get I your would, strength from then? I think I, think I, I, I look at my boys and go, right, this, I, have to have, I have to have strength for them. Yeah. And um, without sounding too cheesy and Walt Disney but they give you a great momentum don't they and I think you can uh, without again I think my boys have taught me a lot so if I was having a teary I remember this one time when they wouldn't get in the bath and I was like come on you know we're getting in the bath and I'd had a long day and I was you know I was probably due on and I was right on the edge and I just was like oh and started crying and um they all sort of looked at me and went, why are you crying? And I said, well, you're just not getting in the bath and I'm exhausted. And they were like, nothing is, my eldest was like, nothing's 
so bad that you need to cry, mummy. <laughs> and, and I was like, oh, you're so amazing. And so I think, I think my strength came from that, from them, and knowing I not so much had to put a brave face on it, but, you know, sort of fake it until you feel it a bit like, morning, everything's yeah. great, you know. And actually, slowly I came out of that sort of slump and found myself again. I'm, I'm quite a high-energy, positive person naturally anyway, so I'd like to think I'd try and find the funny side of things, not not with the separation, but little islands in the day that I'd try and latch onto. Um, and also my, my, my job, which was um, working with children. I mean, it's so hard to work with children and not live in the moment and I think that was what was so lovely you know whatever you're doing with them they you, you can't think about oh god this is happening or I've got to go to court I've got to do this because they make you live in the moment mm-hmm. um so I think that was where I got my strength from one day at a time not worried about the bigger picture too much yeah so talking yeah. about working with children tell me about the free range forest school and what you do so the audience can yeah um so this is where I think my life experience of divorce and separation sort of helps because we're an early years setting so a nursery school um we are a forest school as well so that means we are outside a lot and learning in and through nature um and that sort of I that was my project whilst doing all whilst going through divorce and separation so um, that really sort of gave me a momentum to carry on as well. And going through what I've been through, and we have around about 300 families on roll. So, so you can imagine, you know, a, port- a proportion of our families are going through this tricky time. And I think it gives us, or I'd like to think, you know, good empathy and good strategies to help families go through that time and particularly support the children as much as you know the adults but to make our setting a really safe space for the children who maybe have a few questions or you know aren't really consciously aware but it's still really impacting them what's happening so um yeah and I mean to to, to both things from the nursery point of view and to answer what helped me was time outdoors I mean I'm sure everyone's felt that no more if we ever valued time outside than than now but I think yeah nature sort of puts everything into perspective and 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 it, you know I always remember the phrase this too shall pass and I would sort of yeah. it would be my mantra this too shall pass this too yeah. shall pass yeah. and everything feels better I mean particularly now it's spring thank goodness for spring um no it's so no do you know what you said in regards to being outside it's so therapeutic honestly like whenever I'm feeling stressed um just go outside for a walk even just to calm down and just breathe in um just fresh air and I was reading somewhere that um even with the Spanish flu um before this global pandemic what they went with the Spanish flu that they actually took the patients outside and um once they took the patients outside that they are the, the turnaround in regards to them being um healed was was quicker you know and it's so weird that they're they're telling us to stay inside because of this covid but you know if you look at studies it says actually being outside is is better so it's so wonderful what you do in regards to kids need to they need to be outside more and I know it sounds so bad what I'm going to say but when I was younger I was playing knockdown ginger you know knocking on people's doors (laughs) 
But now my son, who's going to be 10 years old, wants to sit down and watch other children play games. You know, like he doesn't want to. Oh, what is that? <laughs> I know my son's the same. It drives oh, me yeah. mad. I'm like, turn it off. I don't get it. It's like they watch other children playing video games. So I'm like, you're not even playing the game yourself. You're watching other people play it. It's just the weirdest thing I've ever experienced, this YouTube you know, generation. Mm. And it's weird as well, because with punishment as well with my son, I no longer really need to scream and shout. I'm like, I'm going to unsubscribe to your YouTube channels and say <laughs> straight away. Straight. I'm so sorry, buddy. It's like weird. Like if I'm unsubscribing, like it's actually like me taking away a football or a bicycle. It's just this generation is just they're just I wish they would go out more. I wish they would it's, go out more. It's so hard as well for a parent because I think you can't pretend technology doesn't exist. You know, I'm all for nature and spending time outside, but equally, um, because we don't live off grid, it, it, it's something that is in our lives, technology. You know, we have computers, particularly with home learning, we needed to bring, you know, more into the house. So they've all got now access to go online. And that was the worst thing I ever did because now they're like, <laughs> you know when's my tech time yeah i'm even guilty of it especially even when i'm driving i realize that you know i'll just hand in my phone like all right like i'm I'm driving like just take the phone just you know Mm. and i'm just thinking i'm even we i've used the the technology as a a babysitter (laughs) really yeah yeah i mean i think we'd all be uh telling a mistruth if we didn't say we all did that yeah because I mean, I know, you know, as an educationalist, I've done it. And I know, you know, one of the, they say one of the worst things is to use tech as a reward or a punishment. But actually, you know, I've, I've tried not to, but realistically I do, right? If you don't go and get your bag packed for tomorrow, that's it. You know, you won't have your tech time. So it's really hard. And I speak to my eldest about you know, it's not good for you because you get so het up and he, you know, he's a bit like, oh, and he's, he's not his usual chilled self. As soon as he comes off, he gets an adjustment time where he, you know, it takes a while to come back to who he is. And I sort of said to him, love, you lose hours on that thing. If mummy isn't there going off or setting a timer and all of this, um, you lose hours. And I think as a single parent, you know you're, you're trying to be good cop and bad cop the whole time so you're like hey I'm here if you want to talk to me but also I'm I'm your disciplinarian at the same time and you're wearing so many hats yeah. that you know sometimes you know he'll go well you let me go on it for two hours yesterday or three hours yesterday I'm like yeah but I shouldn't have <laughs> I'm juggling so much yeah. so it's it's just so difficult isn't it and I don't think there's any I think we've got to give ourselves some slack that sometimes they'll have bad days on there where we know that they've accessed it too much but sometimes they'll really shelve work or everything else and we're going right we're going out no tech we're going to do x y and z and and we'll really spend, spend some connected time together but like you said, we didn't grow up with it, so it's it's harder, isn't it? I mean, I had Donkey Kong. I was on these like. <laughs> Where can people find you on social media? So um, my personal account is um, at Free Range Charles, 
um, which I think you can probably find me on Charlotte Lucas as well. And then my worker, my, my nursery account is Free Rangers Nursery. So at Free Rangers Nursery on Instagram. But we're also on Facebook. Um, we probably update Instagram a bit more. I'm on there a lot more than Facebook. But yeah, um, and our website is um, freerangers.org.uk. Oh, cool. um, so yeah, any, if, if you do have any mums that have, are in a sort of um, a relationship with maybe someone that they think has got mental health problems, then please, I'd, I'd sort of be happy to talk about my experience. I'm no expert, but I can tell you how it was for me, yeah, if, they, if that is helpful for anyone. It's been so refreshing having you on a Happy Single Moms podcast, honestly. I feel like yeah, we've known each other for years. <laughs> I don't know why you were worried. <laughs> I've known you since 95. <laughs> no, I feel so, I feel so, uh, uh, well, thank you for A, giving me airtime, because it's very cathartic to talk about it, isn't it? It's so cathartic to talk about it um, with someone that's been through it as well and is now still navigating it. Um, uh, and yeah, I mean, I think it's it's something that is one of my children is around, I can hear them. Um, uh, it's something that I think is really positive to talk about because yeah. there are so many single parents around and, and single mums shouldering we all know mums shoulder the lion's share um and that is still the statistical case but um uh yeah i feel i feel really lucky to have been on here so thank oh, you yeah. and everything oh, like that thank you good. so much i appreciate your time take care take care bye bye Bye. bye, -bye. The global pandemic has affected us in many ways, especially mental illness. If you feel like your partner is suffering from mental illness, there are ways in which you're able to support, understand the diagnosis, research support tactics, be a good listener, honor your relationship outside the mental illness and practice self-care. Even if you are feeling like your mental health is being affected right now, because of the pandemic, I would suggest that you contact your local GP and access Talking Therapy. It's free with the NHS. I'm also available for you to talk to. Please message me on Happy Single Moms Podcast on Instagram. I have a number of therapists that are open and willing to speak to you at any given time. Stay blessed, protect your mental health and protect your children as well as yourself. Bye, Khalifa. Breaking your arms, I lose control when I get there.